Section 5 of Slave Narratives, a folk history of slavery in the United States from interviews with former slaves, Volume 11, North Carolina Narratives, Part 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Cleo Millan. Slave Narratives, a folk history of slavery in the United States from interviews with former slaves. Volume 11, North Carolina Narratives, Part 1, by Various. Mary Anderson. 86 years of age, 17 Poole Road, RFD, Number 2, Raleigh, North Carolina. My name is Mary Anderson. I was born on a plantation near Franklinton, Wake County, North Carolina, May 10, 1851. I was a slave belonging to Sam Brody, who owned the plantation at this place. My missus name was Evelyn, my father was Alfred Brody, and my mother was Bertha Brody. We had good food, plenty of warm homemade clothes, and comfortable houses. The slave houses were called the quarters, and the house where Master lived was called the great house. Our houses had two rooms each, and Master's house had twelve rooms. Both the slave and white fox buildings were located in a large grove, one mile squared, covered with oak and hickory nut trees. Master's house was exactly one mile from the main Louisburg Road, and there was a wide avenue leading through the plantation and grove to Master's house. The house fronted the avenue east, and in going down the avenue from the main road, you travel directly west. The plantation was very large, and there were about 200 acres of cleared land that was farmed each year. A pond was located on the place, and in winter, ice was gathered there for summer use and stored in an ice house which was built in the grove where the other buildings were. A large hole, about ten feet deep, was dug in the ground. The ice was put in that hole and covered. A large frame building was built over it. At the top of the earth there was an entrance door and steps leading down to the bottom of the hole. Other things besides ice were stored there. There was a steel on the plantation and barrels of brandy were stored in the ice house, also pickles, preserves and cider. Many of the things we used were made on the place. There was a greased mill, tannery, shoe shop, blacksmith shop and looms for weaving cloth. There were about 162 slaves on the plantation, and every Sunday morning all the children had to be bathed, dressed, and their hair combed and carried down to masters for breakfast. It was a rule that all the little colored children eat at the great house every Sunday morning in order that master and missus could watch them eat so they could know which ones were sickly and have them doctored. The slave children all carried a muscle cell in their hands to eat with. The food was put on large trays and the children all gathered around and ate, dipping up their food with their muscle cells which they used for spoons. Those who refused to eat or those who were ailing in any way had to come back to the great house for their meals and medicine until they were well.
Master had a large apple orchard in the Tar River, low grounds and up on higher ground and nearer the plantation house. There was on one side of the road a large plum orchard, and on the other side was an orchard of peaches, cherries, quinces, and grapes. We picked the quinces in August and used them for preserving. Master and Mrs. believed in giving the slaves plenty of fruit, especially the children. Master had three children, one boy named Dallas and two girls, Betty and Carrie. He would not allow slave children to call his children Master and Mrs. unless the slaves said Little Master or Little Mrs. He had four white overseers, but they were not allowed to whip a slave. If there was any whipping to be done, he always said he would do it. He didn't believe in whipping, so when a slave got so bad he could not manage him, he sold him. Master didn't quarrel with anybody. Mrs. would not speak short to a slave. But both Mrs. and Master taught slaves to be obedient in a nice, quiet way. The slaves were taught to take their hats and bonnets off before going into the house and to bow and say, Good morning, Master Sam and Mrs. Evelyn. Some of the little Negroes would go down to the great house and ask them when it was going to rain, and when Master and Mrs. walked in the grove, the little Negroes would follow along after them like a gang of kiddies. Some of the slave children wanted to stay with them at the great house all the time. They knew no better, of course, and seemed to love Master and Mrs. as much as they did their own mother and father. Master and Mrs. always used gentle means to get the children out of their way when they bothered them, and the way the children loved and trusted them was a beautiful sight to see. Paterolas were not allowed on the place unless they came peacefully, and I never knew of them whipping any slaves on Master's place. Slaves were carried off on two horse wagons to be sold. I have seen several loads leave. They were the unruly ones. Sometimes he would bring back slaves. Once he brought back two boys and three girls from the slave market. Sunday was a great day on the plantation. Everybody got biscuit Sundays. The slave women went down to masters for their Sunday allowance of flour. All the children ate breakfast at the great house and master and missus gave out fruit to all. The slaves looked forward to Sunday as they labored through the week. It was a great day. Slaves received good treatment from master and all his family. We were allowed to have prayer meetings in our homes and we also went to the White Fox Church. They would not teach any of us to read and write. Books and papers were forbidden. Master's children and the slave children played together. I went around with the baby girl Carrie to other plantations visiting. She taught me how to talk low and how to act in company. My association with white fox and my training while I was a slave is why I talk like white fox. Betty Brody married a Dr. Webb from Boylan, Virginia. Carrie married a Mr. Joy Graham of Franklin County. He was a big southern planter. The war was begun and there were stories of fights and freedom. The news went from plantation to plantation and while the slaves acted natural and some even more polite than usual, they prayed for freedom. 
Then one day I heard something that sounded like thunder and Mrs. and Master began to walk round and act queer. The grown slaves were whispering to each other. Sometimes they gather in little gangs in the grove. Next day I heard it again. Boom, boom, boom. I went and asked Mrs. Is it going to rain? She said, Mary, go to the ice house and bring me some pickles and preserves. I went and got them. She ate a little and gave me some. Then she said, You run along and play. In a day or two, everybody on the plantation seemed to be disturbed, and Master and Mrs. were crying. Master ordered all the slaves to come to the great house at nine o'clock. Nobody was working, and slaves were walking over the grove in every direction. At nine o'clock, all the slaves gathered at the great house, and Master and Mrs. came out on the porch and stood side by side. You could hear a pin drop. Everything was so quiet. Then Master said, Good morning, and Mrs. said, Good morning, children. They were both crying. Then Master said, Men, women, and children, you are free. You are no longer my slaves. The Yankees will soon be here. Master and Mrs. then went into the house, got two large armchairs, put them on the porch facing the avenue, and sat down side by side and remained there watching. In about an hour, there was one of the blackest clouds coming up the avenue from the main road. It was the Yankee soldiers they finally filled the mile-long avenue reaching from Master's house to the main Louisburg Road and spread out over the mile-squared grove. The mounted men dismounted. The footmen stuck their shining guns and began to build fires and cook. They called the slaves, saying, You are free. Slaves were whooping and laughing and acting like they were crazy. Yankee soldiers were shaking hands with the Negroes and calling them Sam, Dinah, Sarah, and asking them questions. They busted the door to the smoke house and got all the hams. They went to the ice house and got several barrels of brandy in such a time. The Negroes and Yankees were cooking and eating together. The Yankees told them to come on and join them. They were free. Master and Mrs. sat on the porch and they were so humble no Yankee bothered anything in the great house. The slaves were awfully excited. The Yankees stayed there, cooked, eat, drunk and played music until about night. Then a bugle began to blow and you never saw such getting on horses and lining up in your life. In a few minutes they began to march, leaving the grove, which was soon as silent as a graveyard. They took Master's horses and cattle with them, and joined the main army and come just across Cypress Creek one and one-half miles from my Master's place on the Louisburg Road. When they left the country, a lot of the slaves went with them, and soon there were none of Master's slaves left. They wandered around for a year from place to place, fed and working most of the time at some other slave's owner's plantation, and getting more homesick every day. The second year after the surrender, our master and missus got on their carriage and went and looked up all the negroes they heard of whoever belonged to them. 
Some who went off with the Yankees were never heard of again. When Master and Mrs. found any of theirs, they would say, Well, come on back home. My father and mother, two uncles and their families moved back. Also Lorenza Brody and John Brody and their families moved back. Several of the young men and women who once belonged to him came back. Some were so glad to get back they cried, cause fair had been mighty bad part of the time they were rumbling around and they were hungry. When they got back, Master would say, Well, you have come back home, have you? And the Negroes would say, Yes, Master. Most all spoke of them as Mrs. and Master, as they did before the surrender, and getting back home was the greatest pleasure of all. We stayed with Master and Mrs. and went to their church, the Maple Springs Baptist Church, until they died. Since the surrender, I married James Anderson. I had four children, one boy and three girls. I think slavery was a mighty good thing for mother, father, me and the other members of the family, and I cannot say anything but good for my old master and missus, but I can only speak for those whose conditions I have known during slavery and since. For myself and them, I would say again, slavery was a mighty good thing. End of section 5